Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Alright, if you will open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're continuing our study on Sunday mornings, verse by verse, through the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm just going to tell you ahead of time, before we get started today, this particular passage and this sermon, quite frankly, has the potential to make us uncomfortable. You're welcome. Uh, I figure if I'm uncomfortable when I'm studying it, you all, you all might as well be uncomfortable with me while we're going through it together. Um, appreciate that, vote of confidence. So here's the, here's the premise, I suppose, the place to start. There is no shortage of Bible teaching available today. And, and I'm, I'm trying to use my words very carefully because... You notice I did not say preaching. Because preaching is a very specific word that means some very specific things. So I don't call, like, you flip through the television station. I mean, let's think about the sources of what you might call Bible teaching. You've got TV, you've got YouTube, you've got Facebook, you've got Instagram, Snapchat. Snapchat, TikTok, podcast. I mean, there's plentiful sources. But I say Bible teaching because not all of it is preaching. Because preaching presupposes this right here is your source. Y'all understand what I'm saying? If a man doesn't hold God's Word as the supreme and final authority, you can talk, you can stand, you can hoot and holler. It's not preaching. And that's not my opinion. That's just the truth. The definition of preaching is God's Word through the heart and life and soul of a preacher to the hearts and lives and souls of the people. That's what preaching is. So, I'm talking about Bible teaching. There, it's, it's everywhere. The problem is not from a, a availability. Okay, The problem is not everything out there is good. Not everything out there is true. And, and when I say true, all I'm saying is this. I want to define my terms. It's not consistent with the Word of God. That, that's what I, when I say true, that's what I mean. I'm not saying in my opinion of what I think is right or what I believe or if I agree or like it or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. In order for Bible teaching to be good, it has to be true. In order for it to be true, it has to be in accordance with the Scriptures. Okay? So I just want to get that out up front. So here's the thing. Many of us, Myself included. I'm not trying to throw stone. I'm not trying to say I'm something and, you know, I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to tell you. I've, I've made mistakes, too. I've listened to Bible teaching before that 
I found out later I didn't have any business listening to because it wasn't accurate from a biblical standpoint. But there, and I thought about, I got some names here in my introduction that I thought about just throwing them out there, just seeing if anybody's feelings got hurt. But uh, I don't think I'm going to do that. If you want to talk to me later and you want to get my personal perspective on who I believe is teaching in accordance with Scripture and who I believe is most definitely not, I'll be happy to, to give you the list. I just don't think, you know, the more the Spirit's just kind of working through me here and I'm trying to be obedient, and I don't think that that would be edifying to all of us to, to do that, to call any names. You might have some already going through your mind. But that's, you know, we can talk about that later. So, Scripture teaches that we should be very careful about what we allow into our hearts and minds. Hence the title of today's message, Guard Your Input. Guard Your Input. That comes straight from today's Scripture passage, which is in chapter 16, the first 12 verses. So if you'll follow along, the, the Scripture's on the screen. If you want to follow along, if you've got your Bible with you, please feel free to follow along there. Matthew 16, beginning verse 1, here's what the Bible says. The Pharisees and Sadducees came up and testing Jesus, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. But he replied to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky? but cannot discern the signs of the times? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except the sign of Jonah. And he left them and went away. And the disciples came to the other side of the sea, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They began to discuss this among themselves, saying, He said that because we did not bring any bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, You men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets full you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many large baskets full you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? But beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, please speak to us. Make it clear. Help us understand. Help us obey. Lord, please don't allow me to mess up your word. It's your word, your truth, your message. So help us to hear and understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's your sign. Ever heard that before? It's okay, you can, it's, you can smile and nod, it's alright. We're all friends here. A little, little bit different meaning today. 
The Pharisees and Sadducees are not friends. Let me put that out there first. Okay? Here's your sign. You want a sign? You want proof? You want heavenly evidence that Jesus is who He says He is? What's interesting about this first point, these first four verses, is that one, the Pharisees and Sadducees are not friends, but two, they're looking for a sign when Jesus has done nothing but miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, and they've been watching. So it's not like they hadn't already got plenty of signs. They're just, look at the Scripture. Look at the, the, the first verse. Testing Jesus. That's what they're doing. Okay? Testing Jesus. They don't want a sign because they are going to base their belief on whether or not they get it. They want a sign because they don't think Jesus can provide it. Or they want a sign because they're just too busy trying to uh, fulfill their own agenda and trap Jesus in His words or test Him to where He'll say something wrong and they'll be able to pounce and say, See, I told you He wasn't who He said He was. But all that just fails over and over. You ever heard this phrase? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. You ever heard that? Like you don't, you don't necessarily have, you're not, you know, you're not friends with this person, but you and that person maybe dislike the same other person, right? It's kind of like when Clemson and South Carolina get together. We don't have a whole lot in common, but we can both get together and hate Georgia, right? See what I'm saying? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. And then if you're a Georgia fan, you might be saying, well, Clemson and Georgia might not have anything in common. We can both get together and hate South Carolina. You know, whatever. Fill in your teams. But that's how it works, right? You have something in common that would bind you together even though you're not really friends. This is what's happening. The Pharisees and Sadducees have some very distinct belief systems. They don't get along. They're both in... Uh, roles of spiritual leadership, but they don't believe the same thing. They don't play well together. But look here. All of a sudden, they're here together. And so this, here's what this teaches us. This shows us the severity of just how bad these people hate Jesus because they're willing to put aside their own differences so they can come together. And, and they, can, they can test Jesus. Leon Morris said they were far from friendly with one another and it's a measure of their hostility to Jesus that they combined on this occasion in an endeavor to discredit Him. They're trying to get Him to say something wrong. And see, that's, that's the one thing they still fail to understand about Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't just go around doing miracles and performing signs because somebody asked him to or because he's trying to get some attention. You know, that, in fact, that's not what he's doing at all. In fact, he doesn't want the attention. You know why he's doing the miracles? You know why he's performing the signs, healing people? You know why he's doing that? Because he loves people. He has compassion for people. That's why. He's not trying to get accolades and little attaboys, pats on the back. That's not what he's looking for. He just cares about people. It's that simple. So these Pharisees, Sadducees, they're so concerned 
with these less important things. They, they think they can predict the weather based on the appearance of the sky or this or that. They can uh, predict when parts of the harvest season and things are going to occur. But they are so blind to these obvious signs of the times, what Jesus says, are right in front of them. I mean, they're looking at God in the flesh. But they're so preoccupied with their own stuff, they, they can't see Him. And he's standing right in front of them. And so Jesus tells them, after He explains why He's not going to give them a sign, He says in verse 4, He calls them evil and adulterous, first of all, which is not nice. But then He says, this is the kind of people who seeks after a sign, but a sign's not going to be given. But, and you know why He says that? He says that because a sign's already been given. He's not going to do something new when they've already got the message, right? Jonah, the prophet from the Old Testament, one of the minor prophets. You remember Jonah? Popular story. A lot of people know the, the basic gist, right? God called him to go preach to this particular city called Nineveh, one of the greatest cities there was at the time. Wicked, large. God told him to go preach. He didn't want to. You know why? He didn't like those people. Plain and simple. So he went the other direction. God calls all kind of mayhem in his life. He gets swallowed up by a great fish. He gets vomited out. It's so nasty, right? On the, on the shore three days later. And God's like, you're going to go do what I told you to do. One way that you might look terrible and stink, but you're going to go do it. And so that's what happens. Finally, he... He goes and, and obeys. He's still not happy about it. The whole city repents. Remember we talked about this. The greatest revival in recorded biblical history. And he's mad about it. You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But God, but God, through Christ, says to these folks, You've got your sign, Jonah. So what's he talking about? What's he talking about? What's the sign? The sign is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is standing there. I'd say that means the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's right there. Repent. Turn from your sin. Follow Jesus. Get back in touch with God. Go away from your sin. Seek forgiveness. Be forgiven. Right? That's what, that's what repentance is all about. God says, you, you repent, I'll forgive you. And so that's the sign. That's the message, the gospel. And so God, Jesus says, you, you've already got the sign. What more do you need? It's almost like when they're asking Him to perform this sign and He's just gotten through, I mean, just moments before, right? Days before. He fed 4,000 men plus women and children. That's a miracle. They had, listen to this, this is something we might overlook when it comes to the feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. Did you know they took up more leftovers than the food they had to start with? After everybody ate and was satisfied, what they took up leftovers was more than they started with that he multiplied. I mean, it's just, it's just a miracle of epic proportion, and yet they're still asking because they just want to test Jesus. They don't care about a sign because clearly they've ignored all the other signs they've gotten. Right? So here's our sign. Repent. 
Turn to Jesus. Run from your sin. Run to Jesus. Seek forgiveness. Embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's no more clear calling. We talk about uh, you know every week we have an invitation time at the end of the service. This is the invitation. Come to Jesus. Don't don't wait. Don't think we got to sing a song and stand up. And you know, today, you know, there's six verses of just as I am. How long are you going to grip onto that pew in front of you before you let go and come to Jesus? Right? You don't have to wait to the end of the service. God might be dealing with you right now. He might be doing something in your heart. You might have heard a little whisper in your voice already. Say, you know what? I need to come to Jesus, but I just don't feel comfortable about it. Well, guess what? God's not going to try to make you comfortable. He's going to convict you by the Holy Spirit and show you the need you have for Christ. That's what He does to all of us. You know? Realizing our guilt is really not the most comfortable thing. You know? It's not supposed to be. But boy, the result of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Man. That's our sign. And by the way, Jesus' resurrection is the ultimate sign. Do you want a sign from heaven? Jesus rose from the dead. It's pretty significant, right? And yet, the generation here that Jesus is speaking to, they're still not going to believe Jesus' message just like the Ninevites believed Jonah and repented. So Jesus just dispenses with that first request from the Pharisees and Sadducees. But here's what it does. The second point, the final point today, is watch your learning. Watch your learning. And see, this interesting little test that Jesus has to endure, it gives Him the opportunity then to teach His disciples some things. Because He says, beware, beware and watch out. Verse 6. Beware and watch out the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, what is leaven? Like just in a pure, like a, a, a food context. A, a leavening agent, like you put something in, like if you're baking bread, it's yeast, right? Okay. So what, what does that do? Just a little bit. Yeah. And so you don't you don't need much, right? Like you ever seen how you, how you, when you buy yeast, like you buy flour, it comes in a big old bag or, or a big container. Like this. You buy yeast, little tiny little tiny bit, right? You know why? Because it gets in there and works its way through, and it gets all mixed in, and it influences the whole batch of flour, right? So what's Jesus saying here? It doesn't take but a little bit of messed up teaching to have you all, all messed up. When, and, and, and I'm trying to be, I don't want to be offensive just to be offensive, but there's some offensive stuff in this text, okay? I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I'm going to try to say this. I'm going to try to tell the truth. The disciples didn't understand how deadly the influence of this false teaching could be. And so they were not on their guard. And so Jesus said, watch out, beware of this false teaching because these folks that are in authority, religious leadership, they're not telling you the truth. And how does He know that? 
I mean, Jesus is the truth, right? This, he's the living Word, so this is His Word. He knows what it says. He wrote it, right? He inspired it to be written down for us to read. And so when He hears what they're teaching, He knows that's not, that's not right. So you need to beware. So, so what do we need to do? I mean, I've got, I got so much here. I'm trying to just be concise. Jesus is warning His disciples. You've got to be on your guard against, um, Leon Morris called it, insidious and pervasive influence of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And, and you know what's interesting? Look what Jesus has to do. This is so ironic. Eric, we talk about it all the time, how uh, Sunday morning... Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all these things overlap, right? And we don't plan it that way, but when you get in God's Word, He just kind of has a way of doing that and bringing it all together, right? What did we just do? First thing, what's on the table? What's written on the table? Do this in remembrance. Look what Jesus says. Verse 9. You don't remember? You don't remember what I just did? You don't remember we fed 5,000 men plus women and children? Probably 15,000 plus, generous estimate, conservative estimate. Then, all the leftovers. Then, uh, 4,000 men plus women and children. 10, 12,000 plus, conservative estimate, right? All the leftovers. Don't, don't you remember? Don't you understand? Those are the two words he uses. Do you not... You still, you still don't understand and you don't remember. Let me ask you a question, a personal question. Don't answer out loud. Just kind of think about it. Is there anything in your life, anything at all that's, that's happened in your life that maybe God has really, really shown up and, and done something in your life? And until I just said it, you had kind of let it lapse into forgetfulness? Maybe it wasn't on the forefront of your mind. Maybe, yeah, it's back there, but you just weren't really thinking about it. You know, God does things all the time. All the time. And, and most of the time when we uh, have a, a crisis of faith or belief and we are struggling with this or that. You know why it is mo really most of the time? We just don't remember what God did for us last week. He, he, he showed up and did something amazing. And we just, like it wasn't that big a deal, we just kind of forgot about it. Short memory. You know where we get it from? Anybody remember the story of the children of Israel and their exodus from Egypt? Moses delivered a million, a million people. God used him to take them out of slavery. And they're out in the wilderness. They hardly clear the gates in Egypt. And what are they doing? They're griping, complaining, Why'd you bring us out here in the desert, Moses? We're just going to die out here. We don't have anything to eat. We don't have anything. To... We'd be better off just back there as slaves in Egypt. Bunch of Baptists. I mean, I mean, you know, why? 
Why do we forget so quickly? I mean, God just delivered. He just showed up ten plagues, miracles. And they didn't just leave Egypt. They left full of stuff. I mean, they looted the, the, the nation of Egypt. Yeah, they took all kind of stuff. And, and, and all of a sudden, why would you bring us out here to die in the desert? We suffer from short memory. And, and it causes us either to question God and His goodness or His faithfulness or His power. It's such a shame that we allow these things to infect our thinking this memory lapse and it also causes us to not be aware of the dangers right in front of us when we hear teaching that is not consistent with scripture and and I'll tell you this from my perspective and I, I could be wrong I don't think I am but I could be I feel like of all the Bible teaching that's available out there on social media and YouTube and, and television and podcasts and all these places, I feel like there's more bad than good when it comes right down to it. If we, if we want to say what constitutes good Bible teaching, it's, it's the Bible straight from Scripture. And, and unfortunately, most of what's out there, that as far as what's being broadcast, most of it is not that. There's a lot of feel good. There's a lot of, hey, sow this seed into my ministry. Thousand dollars, you'll be healed. Whatever. You take that right back where it came from. You know, so many people that, and I'm going to just tell you this little secret. For all the so-called Bible teachers that are proclaiming a message that is not faithful to Scripture, I don't believe they have any clue the terrible danger they are in. Because I'm going to tell you what, every time, every time I step up here, there's a part of me that is scared to death. I, I try not to let it show and I try to, you know, over the years I've tried to be more comfortable with my delivery of, of God's Word. But you want, I, I, am, I am standing up here presuming to speak to you the words of God Almighty. You better be nervous. Better not just walk up here and think you got it all together. You better pray, and you better be sure that you're listening to the Holy Spirit of God, and you're not just throwing out some opinions and stories. Because th this is serious business. You you think it doesn't really matter? Well, I'll listen to this preacher, that preacher, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's no big deal. You, Really? You don't think it's a big deal? You know what? I, one of the coolest truths I learned in seminary, I had to take all these different class, I mean, classes, oh my goodness, studied so much, read so much, wrote so many papers. 
church history. It took a year of church history. You split it up. You go from the early church, like first century, all the way up to the Reformation, and then from the Reformation all the way up to current day. And I mean, it's just so much. But you know what I remember? One thing I remember? My professor taught us. You know how to make a really effective heresy, like a false teaching? You know the best way to make a really effective false teaching? 95% truth and 5% error. See, if you throw it out there, 50% nonsense, nobody will believe it, right? It would just be so obviously false. and be like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You know? In fact, I had a clip <laughs> that I was going to show you uh, about this church out in Houston, Texas. That's it'll make you laugh uh, or, or cry. And uh, of course, you know how people do. They see a clip, and the next thing you know, they merge it with something else, and it's the funniest thing you ever seen. Uh, somebody did that. They played this clip from this church, and this person talking, and then they switched to this movie clip that said. That is the most idiotic thing I have ever heard in my life. You know, at no point in your rambling, you know, it's just hilarious. Anyway, it'll make you laugh and then it'll make you cry. This is not a game. Jesus isn't playing around with his word. You know how I know that? He bled and died for it, he went to a cross and died for me. I'd say that's pretty serious. This is not a game. God's Word is not a game. And what's interesting here at the end, when you see that He's talking about little faith, and He says to the disciples, I can't believe you don't understand, you don't remember. And it's not until verse 12 at the very end that they finally understood, oh, He's not talking about bread. Really? You think? Like bread's so important. You know? Come on, these guys. He's talking about the teaching. He's talking about to beware and watch out. And so let me read this from David Turner. It's a great quote. In this passage, Jesus patiently yet firmly deals again with the little faith of the disciples. He improves their spiritual perception by prodding their memory. And this rebuke of the forgetful disciples should sharpen the mental and spiritual focus of God's people today. Preoccupation with temporary and material concerns continues to render disciples dull and forgetful of the values of the kingdom and the false teaching that endangers it. Folks, if we don't remember who Jesus is, what His Word says, if we don't stay anchored into this Word right here, we won't be equipped to know the difference when we hear something that's not right. Because you know, people talk, have talked to me in the past, uh, hey, let's do this study on this religion or this religion, you know, world religion. Let's, let's study this. And I, and I understand that. You want to know what other people believe so you can... Um, converse and, and, and be intelligent in your uh, defense of the gospel. But you know how you really know the difference? If you know the gospel and God's word so well, then anytime something isn't the same as that, you'll know. Know, know your 
beliefs, know God's Word that well. Alright, so what, what do we do with that? How can we prove ourselves faithful to God's Word today? Two, two things. First, remember. Remember what God's done in the world in general and in your life in particular. Remember. Don't forget His faithfulness. And second, read the Bible. There's no substitute. Read the Bible. Be discerning when you listen to any Bible teacher. Why do you think I often stand up here and say, don't take my word for it. You better have your Bible open so you can know if I'm telling you the truth. Right? Because I'm, I'm not trying to lie to anybody, but I'm a human. I'm a sinner. So I'm, I could make a mistake. I don't have all the answers, but this, my, my God has all the answers. And so have your Bible open. Follow along. Double check what I'm saying. That way, you know what? That way your foundation is on God and His Word and not on a preacher. That's so important. Remember and, and read the Bible. Be discerning. Make sure they're faithful to Scripture. Anytime you hear a Bible teacher, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's not going to lead you astray. And, and I think that maybe it's probably uh, the best way maybe to conclude at this point I, I ran across this quote years ago but it still rings true Vodie Bauckham was a preacher and um, this is what he said the Lord told me is no substitute for the Bible says be careful be careful you don't, you don't need to I, I don't want you I don't want you tr- trusting your eternal soul to me to what I say I want you to I want you to have a firm foundation God and his word because if you if you go by this right here the Bible says you don't ever have to back up from that preachers are you know well they mess up sometimes they don't always get it right I certainly haven't God's never gotten it wrong. God's Word has never been wrong. It never will be wrong. He is always trustworthy. So let's, let's follow Him. Let's guard our input. Let's be discerning. And let's read the Bible. It, it's, not that, it's not that complicated. Read the Bible. Do what it says. on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.